Welcome to our podcast series on how to drive multi-channel success. In this series, we're looking to explore a range of issues which you and your business are faced with every day. Today, the three of us from Prospero and the Multi-Channel Expert have pooled our expertise and experience of working with many brands over the last 20 years to come up with a set of practical suggestions and ideas that will help you deliver greater success in your e-commerce business. We really hope you find the discussion useful and we look forward to your feedback. In today's episode, we're going to explore the critical area of customer acquisition. I'm delighted that today we have David from the Multi-Channel Expert. Hi. And David. Hello. And myself, Mark, from Prospero. Hello and welcome. As we're talking about customer acquisition, I'd like to start with the big question of what do we mean by customer acquisition? David. Well, from, from my perspective, it's pretty straightforward. In any e-commerce business, you're going to drive your business from a combination of existing customers and new customers. So what we're fundamentally talking about today is how do you drive new customers? And that starts with the driving of traffic, um, but also obviously involves conversion. But for me, it's about driving new customers and to some extent, it's about driving sales from some of those previous customers. It, it's a bit difficult sometimes to define an existing customer, but some of those previous customers who may not have bought from you for some time. I guess also from a slightly different lens, it's a measure of how efficient and effective your business is in the way it spends its money, which is often seen as marketing money. If the purpose is to drive sales, one could argue that the people that give you sales are customers and they hopefully give you multiple sales over a longer period of time. But it's a measure of how efficient you are at getting your new customers to transact with you. So what are the main influences uh, with customer acquisition? What is influenced by customer acquisition? Well, I think one of the big elements that businesses are facing today is how do I make my marketing money efficient? How do I make sure that every pound I'm spending is driving the results I want? Now that's easy to say and kind of difficult to do, but one of the areas that is often seen as kind of discretionary is marketing money. It is very easy for businesses to withhold marketing money because it can be withheld. One of the things that's really important about customer acquisition is helping the business to understand the consequences of reducing budgets and therefore the impact into sales. And the best way to measure that is to understand that a reduction in budget is likely to impact your ability to acquire customers and therefore impact your sales negatively. So how should we think about customer acquisitions, David? Yeah, one of the ways that uh, I've looked at it pretty well everywhere I've worked and some of the companies I've consulted for is to look at the sales funnel. And it starts with three principal statistics, if you like, one of which is awareness. So have people heard of your business? Do they know the name? The second thing, which is critical, is sentiment and consideration. So they might have heard of you, but what do they think of you? Would they consider you as a viable supplier for the product they're looking for? And then the third thing is reason to visit. So you've got to provide as many reasons as you possibly can for customers to visit you. We're going to look at 
why one or other of those may be more important to you at any given point in time. But if you haven't got awareness, if people don't have a view of what your brand is, if you haven't got reasons to visit, you're simply not going to drive traffic and you're not going to drive new customer acquisition. And David, is there anything you'd like to add at that point? Yeah, I think what David said is spot on. Um, it wasn't that long ago that it was very common for businesses to split what's perceived as brand marketing from performance marketing. And I think what David's articulated here is how important it is to see them as connected functions. Because ultimately what gives you the opportunity to drive performance marketing is what your potential customers think about you and their level of an awareness about you. So you have to have a joined up funnel when you're thinking about this in the modern era. Yes, and if, if I might uh, just add to that, David, I think a lot of people who've grown up in digital marketing have grown up with a very statistical approach. It's a very ROI-based approach. And so as a consequence, we've tended to favour the channels like PPC and paid social. I think what we're seeing now is more of a requirement to drive awareness and consideration and almost a reversion to some of the traditional marketing skills of brand building, uh, of creating a positive image. And I think it's a really important skill for digital marketeers to learn or indeed relearn. So where we've got the potential for actually combining brand marketing and performance marketing in a more holistic way than perhaps some organisations have set themselves up to do. How, how would you actually want to drive sentiment, David? Well, this is, a, this is a really good question, and I think it's kind of one of those soft sciences. Um, it's really about the DNA of your brand and finding a way to tell that story in a way that consumers want to listen to it. So it's, it's as much about the language you use as it is about the products and services that you offer. So for example, how do your customer service team respond to incoming calls and emails is just a bigger driver of what people think about you as the tone of voice that you use on your website or in your marketing. So it's really a challenge to look across the whole gamut of what you do and determine whether the way you're doing it is driving a positive sentiment. So for example, if you're answering the phones within a reasonable time frame, if you're responding to emails in a positive and constructive way within a time frame that's reasonable, you're probably beginning to do things that drive positive sentiment. If, however, you're ignoring stuff and not responding in a customer-centric kind of way to the inputs your business is getting, you may begin ultimately to be perceived as not being customer-centric and therefore drive negative sentiment towards your brand. Yeah, and we're going to come on to measurement in a, in a little bit. Yeah, I think, again, if I, if I might add to that, the driving of brand awareness and brand sentiment has become more difficult, I think, in many ways over the years as people's attention span has reduced. So typically, people are seeing a, a far greater number of adverts presented to them, and the time that they spend looking at them is minuscule so if you're a brand and you want to create a story about your brand how are you going to do it in the minuscule amount of time that you have available i know we're talking to uh, uh, one of our friends from tiktok later on who may be able to shed some light on this but i do think it's one of the fundamental challenges in this low attention world that we live in today yeah no that makes a lot of sense and what about the sort of natural 
growth rate that has happened for digital over the last 10 years, you know, we're all used to the environment where, where digital has been growing. And we've now hit a situation where post-COVID, where actually certainly e-commerce has been negative for a couple of years, but traffic has been all over the place. So there's your take on that? Look, there's no doubt that it creates greater challenges. Uh, when I start in e-commerce, you could reliably turn up to work and have 25, 30% growth with, without lifting a finger. Nowadays, there are many sectors in which digital traffic is down and where it becomes far harder to acquire new customers. But that just means that the challenge for established businesses is slightly more different. It becomes more about efficiency, it becomes more about mix, it becomes more about optimization. But let's not forget there are plenty of businesses that are still growing fast and are capable of growing fast. And their challenges are different. They've just got to find their customers, they've got to get the right messaging out to them and they've got to provide the reasons for those customers to visit. So Yeah, and, and as the market as a whole, the cost of doing that is going up all the time. Absolutely. The cost per acquisition pretty well across every sector has gone up. So again, it's all part of the challenge. Uh, even to stand still now, you've got to work a lot harder than you ever used to. So it's funny that you mentioned CPA because I'd like now to move on to measurement. Um, so how do we measure or focus an organization onto customer acquisition? Okay, so if we go back to the original kind of sales funnel being about awareness and sentiment, um, and then the second elements being about traffic and about the conversion of traffic, they all require different ways of measuring what's happening. Clearly, the first two are less about, about pounds and sales. Um, they're more about sentiment and analysis. There are a widespread number of tools in the market that you can think about um, acquiring that will measure the degree to which awareness is becoming positive or becoming negative, and similarly on sentiment too. But don't forget that there are ways you can construct your own, if you like, DIY measures of awareness simply by using some Google Trends that are free, simply by asking your customers um, pre-formatted questionnaires um, about what they think about you. They will give you valuable feedback. So whether you're in the market to acquire some software to tap into the market and give you statistical awareness and sentiment stuff, or whether you just want to create your own internal measures, the most important thing is that you're measuring trend. So if you start to measure six things around sentiment and your score is, let's just say, 50 out of 100, I would argue that doesn't matter. What does matter is that within a month, 50 has moved positively to 51 or 52, and you can show a positive trend in sentiment, whichever measure you've chosen to use. Okay. Yeah, when looking at measurement, and I think all of us in this room are broadly agreed on this, is when you're looking at your marketing spend in total, the key thing you've got to be looking at is cost per acquisition. You're not going to get the same cost per acquisition across each individual channel, but you should be looking across your program as a whole to, to have a target cost per acquisition, how much you spend versus how many new customers you drive. So I think one of the things that we're all agreed in on in this room is that the central measure that you can use and the real focus for all of your marketing efforts is cost per acquisition. And you should really have in mind across your overall marketing program what your target cost per acquisition is. Of course it's going to differ 
by different channels. Of course, it's going to differ by different customer groups. But when you're looking at your budget as a whole, you really should have in mind cost per acquisition as your central driving KPI. Yeah, and certainly in the work that we've done, CPA has been one of the central metrics or KPIs that actually we've tried to help focus organisations on as part of an overall move to being more customer-centric. Because if you don't understand the actual cost of getting new customers, um, you know, your whole focus in terms of customers is, is going to be slightly flawed. I think that a lot of businesses are still not measuring CPA. And yeah, it's may difficult. Be, it may be true that, in fact, Google doesn't provide you with a CPA number, and therefore many people don't use it. They use what's default kind of out of the box. But we would urge people, through whatever measures you want to include or exclude, a measure of the cost of acquiring a customer for a number of reasons. One, as David said, we think it's the true measure of customer acquisition performance. But also, it starts to get your business to think about sales through the lens of customers. You're not thinking about cost of sales, you're thinking about cost of customers. Now, of course, customers bring you sales, that's what they're kind of there for. But thinking about it through the lens of cost per customer or cost per acquired customer brings the narrative of customers into your business, which we know is still quite deficient in many businesses. Yeah, so obviously that's the, that's the central measure that we're advising people to, to focus on. But in terms of the customer acquisition funnel, how have you gone about that in either the companies that you've been in or companies we've advised in terms of actually tracking awareness and sentiment. I think that covers the main measurement in terms of CPA, but in terms of understanding where you would actually focus your time and efforts, how would you go about that? Well, let's assume you already have a digital marketing program in place. You're gonna have a whole heap of statistics on each of the channels that you're running, and you're gonna be able to look channel by channel how much traffic am I driving? How many conversions am I driving? How much revenue am I getting? And how much am I spending? And as a start point, it's always great to say, is my channel driving more traffic? Is it driving it more cost efficiently? Uh, is it driving the levels of growth that I expect? Or not? Basically, that, that is your start point for determining where do I focus? Uh, you. And I think in a minute we're going to go on to suggest how people use their channels rather like a graphic equaliser to play and optimise as time goes on. But we'll cover that in a few minutes, I think. Okay. There's also another lens here that I'd like um, our listeners to kind of reflect upon. And it's now co-joining what is often seen as a separate science, the science of segmenting and defining customers as being a valuable tool for marketeers to use. I call this, are we fishing in the right ponds, question mark. And it's trying to define who your target market and target customer is to work out whether your mix of channels is broadly right. This is about trying to understand the intent of people at different stages in either their week or their life and try to ensure that you are uh, approaching them in the right kind of way, whether they're in a browsing mode, whether they're in a transactional mode, whether they're in a researching mode or something else. It's about trying to align your business target audience with the channels that you've got. It's from then 
that we then go on to optimize those channels. But for example, um, you may be a business for whom you believe you've got customer types that would be relevant for something like a TikTok channel. You may not be currently in a TikTok channel and you may be thinking that there is some correlation between your target audience and that channel. We'll talk a bit more later about how you should go about doing that. But at this point, I think you have to go back to the target audience you're trying to attract and align that in very broad terms to your marketing channels. So David. And another thing that I think is definitely worth considering is what level of consideration do customers have when buying your product? Now I've come out of furniture retailing. People don't on impulse think, oh, I'll buy a sofa or I'll buy a dining table. They've probably got the idea first, I probably need a new sofa because they've looked at their shabby one in their lounge. So there's a lot of consideration, there's a lot of search associated with that. Whereas if you're in the gifting sector or maybe in the clothing and footwear sector, the chances are your customers are far more likely to buy on impulse, they're far more likely to browse. So for a business like Heels or Snow and Rock, where I also worked, search was an incredibly big part of our customer acquisition program. Because they were considered purchases. Because you were more likely to find them talking about fishing in the right ponds. The pond they were fishing in was, I am looking for something specific. Whereas if you're at the more clothing, the lower ticket end of things, you're probably more likely to find them uh, in social. So that's gonna be a greater proportion of your customer acquisition effort. Okay. And what should the approach be if you're looking to adopt a new channel of marketing? We've mentioned TikTok a number of times, but you know, there's always new social media channels arriving yeah. that we haven't heard of as old folk. But you know, TikTok has clearly got to sort of mass market penetration very quickly. Yes, and there's a philosophy here, which is simply not to bet the shop on anything. Um, I think the, the concept here that is right for most people is to be open and iterative, open to the notion that your customer target is likely to affect all channels. The question is, to what extent? But to be open to the notion that you should try things and experiment rather than have some big strategic plan to enter the, um, the, the TikTok market, as an example we previously used. Be open to the fact that some of your customers will be using TikTok. That's probably not wrong and uh, scalp out small amounts of trial budget, which one should always have, as a way of working out whether for real that's the case or not. Yeah, so effectively adopting an agile marketing approach. Makes sense. And, and that's as true for established channels as it is for new channels like TikTok. Yeah. If you're in PPC, if you're in Facebook, Instagram, there's always new things and there's always new campaigns you could be running. You've got to retain uh, an openness to testing. But as David said, don't bet the house on it. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about the funnel and we've talked about measurement. So then we get to the gnarly question of budget and budgeting. So how do you actually manage your budget for customer acquisition? David. So I think one of the things that we hear a lot about is, have I got the right budget? Which sometimes means, why haven't I got more, of course? But how do I know that I've got the right amount? And I think 
I tend to take a very practical uh, perspective here. You've got what you've got, and that's where you are at the moment. The challenge is, how do you determine that you need more? How do you take what you've got, optimize it to the extent that it's performing at its absolute maximum as a way of justifying you getting more budget? Now, we all know that the, the desirable place to be, the nirvana of this, is seeing budget as a cost of sales. But in reality, we all know it's seen as a discretionary thing that you are asked to fight for and are given at the start of every financial year. So my approach to how you ensure you don't lose it or get it hijacked for some other cause is to make sure it's performing at its absolute best such that you can show anybody in your business that the impact of more budget is to return X number of extra customers or and X number of extra sales. Yeah, the as a digital marketeer, uh, very few of you will think you've got too much budget. But I'm guessing that many of you will have finance directors or CEOs who think you've got too much budget. So the first thing I would say is make sure you're on top of the numbers. Make sure you understand what each channel is delivering for you in its own right and make sure that you understand what every channel is dealing in, in its totality. The fact is everybody in your business, the, the naysayers, they've got to understand that traffic doesn't come for nothing. And if you have a traffic target, whether that target is to grow by 100% or whether that target is simply to retain what you've got, it is going to cost you money. So your first task is to make sure you know what your spend is delivering for you, channel by channel and, it, and its totality. You must be on top of the numbers. You must understand what returns you're getting. You must understand what traffic you're driving because otherwise you'll be vulnerable. The next stage is to think, well, how can I get more budget? And again, being on top of the numbers here is critical. Now, it's very difficult to know whether you're in a declining marginal return or whether your returns will continue to increase in a straight line. So realistically, you can do two things, one of which is you can test extensions you can test increases and see what happens the other thing is you can model it and you can say well what if what if the return i get is the same as the return i'm getting now what if the return i get is half of what i'm getting now if as david said you've optimized what you've got and you know that what you're spending is producing a positive return is producing the sort of results that the business expects that gives you a much better platform from which to say look I really could do with some more, and I could do with it in these specific channels. Okay, and in terms of the optimization of those channels and getting the absolute very best out of them, is there anything that you can say to our listeners to, to guide them on that process? Well, maybe one thing. I tend to have a visual in my mind when I think about the optimization of channels, and it's the kind of old analogy of a graphic equalizer where you're playing with sliders and buttons and you're constantly optimizing the performance of individual channels 
in the belief, which I have to say is often true, that the consequence of that is that the bottom line, the composite CPA you're working towards, will improve. So your channel um, uh, optimization is governed by the rules of that channel. The, the rules you'll apply for one, for, for example, for social media won't be the same as it will be for direct marketing or it won't be the same as for emails. But the reality is optimizing those individual channels in a way that gives you the best possible or rather lowest possible cost per acquisition is clearly in your interest. So the point you get to that, what you will have is an ability to convince your audience that a dollar, an extra dollar spent with you is a profitable dollar, because I'm sure that's the case. But don't think there's an easy solution to this. You know, bigger businesses and those that have been doing it for 30 years will have fleets of people and fleets of algorithms and fleets of, um, of effort going into small individual optimizations that give you a net better result. There is really no getting away from the fact that this is just hard draft. So in terms of wrapping up this uh, podcast conversation, What's the sort of one piece of advice that you would give to our listeners, David? For me, uh, I'm not saying that uh, PPC is dead by any stretch of imagination, but I do think it's become more and more difficult to drive growth through that channel. And therefore, where you're going to get much of your growth is in that awareness and consideration area that we talked about. And that principally means the social channels that's where you're going to drive awareness of your brand and that's where you're going to change your brand image but it's it's not going to be enough just to identify your target audiences find your target audiences you're going to have to find ways of breaking through the incredible amount of noise that they're going to receive on a daily basis and the only way you're going to do that is with strong creative content now in the past, creative content was a very top-down process. Your brand department would create an ad and you'd show that ad in whatever channels you could, whether it was a newspaper, a magazine, TV, etc. But now you've not only got multiple channels, but you've also got multiple segments within those channels. So what's gonna be critical for you is number one is to create compelling, interesting, breakthrough content but also you're gonna to have to customize it at the very least by channel and potentially you're gonna to have to customize it by channel, by customer segment and potentially you're gonna even have to customize it by channel, by segment, by customer. Technology is gonna be helpful. I think we're gonna see the use of AI make these things materially easier However, you're still going to have to have great ideas and you're still going to have to think what's going to work for me on what channel for which audience. David, what's your point? I think the point for me is linked to the content and execution challenges David's just talked about. It's that technology is going to remove those challenges, I think, in a very short time frame. So in order for you to be able to take advantage of that, you've really got to get the get your customer segmentation sorted. I think marketeers have put that on the back burner because they don't have the execution capability. Yeah. They're shortly going to have that execution capability, as David has said, and therefore you need to get your segmentation sorted now. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And the thing I was going to say was that you're now getting to a situation where the speed of creative churn 
is going to be astronomically higher than it has been historically, particularly if you're in this sort of very close to real-time personalization of channel customization. You can't keep going with the same creative more than a few days in that environment. So you're going to have to have many multiple versions of things and you can't present that creative to people multiple times in the way that historically people always used to do. You know, you would run TV ads multiple times until you got the recall rates up in the old days. Now you get to a point where actually if if it's not something new, people switch off because the attention span now apparently is about 1.8 seconds on a video. Even a year and a half ago, it was 3.1 seconds. Now it's 1.8 seconds. So being able to cope with that creative churn driven by social commerce, which is actually trying to shortcut the uh, awareness sentiment process as much as possible for new brands, uh, much harder for existing brands. So it's, it's going to really change the dynamics of, of the world. And AI is the way that that's going to happen without a shadow of doubt. But what we're going to do is I think we're going to have a, a session uh, with Ben Muir from an agency called Unsociable in our next podcast. And we will cover more then. Thank you very much for listening. Join us again on the next one.